Hello everyone and welcome to Disaster Peace Publishing House. I'm Dev Solovey. And I am Joan Metz. And I'm Joe Labar. Uh, and this is a show about the wild west of weird internet literature. Dramatic readings included. Guests are excluded from the, the joint uh, discussion of dramatic readings. Uh, here, here, from now on, shall be written in stone. Yeah, we got a guest. It's my partner, Joe. How y'all doing? <laughs> and we are also back with uh, talking about a couple more SCPs. Um, so to recap kind of just give a broad overview of what uh the scp foundation is this is a a multimedia collaboration from a lot of different authors essentially building this canon about a foundation which finds anomalous things items creatures people etc that you know have inexplicable properties and contain them essentially protect them from the, the general population there's a very specific format that they go with a lot of like very uh you know, official sounding language, but you can play with that format to tell some really interesting stories. It's one of those uh, things where limitation breeds innovation, but also if you've got a creative idea, run with it. It's it's very cool to go and check some of these out. Of course, we always recommend for people to check out the original source and not just let us be the <laughs> Sherpas yeah. of the experience. But we just kind of wanted to talk about some of the stuff we think is neat about this uh, and one of the things that Dev wanted to talk about was uh, how 173 has changed. Yeah, so SCP-173, it's, it's part of the original series. It's um, It very... was the, the very first. It was the very first one. Oh, like, it was the made, first one. Yeah, okay. it was initially... I, I want to say that it was initially posted the original image with the format that would be the SCP format. As like a copy pasta on, I want to say X, you know the four the four chan uh, mm-hmm. paranormal thing, and then eventually migrated. Oh, and the SCP Foundation wiki became its own thing uh, after the copy pasta had gone kind of viral. So, yeah. y- you know, it is literally true that SCPs are creepy pastas, but it's also it's semantically true. You know, yeah, it kind of became um, its own thing eventually. Yeah. Um, were you planning? Were you planning on actually reading one seven three, or just talking about it? No, I don't think that there's any need for us to read it. We can explain yeah. it pretty simply as like it's a statue where if you don't maintain eye contact with it, uh, it moves really, really quickly and it breaks your fucking neck. And it's alive yeah. and it it is frozen by observation. Yeah, it's very much inspired by the um, the Weeping Angels from Doctor Who. Also wrong. They came before oh. the Weeping Angels by a few weeks. Really? It did. Yeah, it was a. Uh, the SCP-173 and Weeping Angels are an example of, you know, convergent ideas. You know, like how Dennis the Menace kind of got accidentally invented separately in the UK and the United States. Yeah, at the same time. Okay, yeah, interesting. Like, that's a common misconception, actually. Really? Like, every site I've been to says that, so it's apparently... It's, it's a, literally untrue. A, a myth, okay. It is a myth, yes. Yeah, all right, interesting. It is also... But in the same way that it is a myth that the Weeping Angels ripped off SCP-173. Like, just right. the way that TV works and the way that this was kind of made on the internet. It's just kind of like an interesting example of those two kind of ideas being... And they're, like, different fucking ideas. The Weeping Angels, like, yeah, if you if you look at them, they're, they're frozen. But also, like, the booze for Mario did that. They do different stuff, you know? That's a cool idea. Yeah, it's a cool idea. It's a cool idea. But it's also, like... And you can execute it, like, a couple of different ways, too, which mm-hmm. is, like, makes it interesting. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. But, that being said, the original image that gained notoriety was a copyrighted photograph of an artist's work that is not related in any way, shape, or form to the SCP-173 story. So the original artist is Izumi Kato, and he does a lot of sculptures that are multimedia, like the original 173 image. Yeah, he also does paintings as well. Um, he has a very distinct look that he creates with the, um, the you know, humanoid figures that, yeah. that, that, that he makes. And um, one of them was, was used for the original SCP-173, not really particularly fair use, I don't, I don't well, know. Well, it was just one of those things where... 
forgive the pun, but it just kind of broke containment, you know? Yeah. I feel like there should always be a little bit of wiggle room for random people being able to use images they find on the internet in its own, like, mimetic context. Like, copyrighted images become memes all the time, and there is nothing you can really fucking do about that. Yeah. Um, and there had always been this sort of delicate balance where it was like, okay, well, it's okay for you to use SCP stuff in merch because you're making it with your own two fucking hands, but don't do 173 because it is a copyrighted image. There was like this understanding that like, look, this is fair use, but like, we haven't really been given permission. And they kind of just decided like, okay, well, we never got the permission He's been all right with letting this slide, even though he's not very happy about it. So we're just going to take the initiative and remove the image. But they did a really cool thing in the spirit of the collab, they, the collaborative nature of the SCP Wiki. They host, they did a contest for a redesign, and they have like a hub where you can go and look at all of the submissions, even though there's a new image now that's canonical. The, the way that they host the the page, it's as a in-universe memo describing how there's been an event in perceptional shift of the sculpture. Yeah, so, they, they've reframed it as though the one of the features of the SCP is that it, uh, it the way it looks changes. And, you know, sort of like an info hazard type of thing. So you can look at this gallery to see um, all these different redesigns of it. And those are considered like different forms of it, different shapes that it takes. Yes, that's another concept that I think that a lot of people credit, you know, like, I don't think that they invented the idea of like a cognito hazard or a mimetic hazard, Mm -hmm. uh, but they, they like developed the nomenclature to make it like a catchy term. Or the same way that, like, time travel or, like, quantum mechanics. They, they've developed a lexicon for these sort of ideas. So the, the next thing we wanted to do is we each, each of us brought one SCP to kind of share and talk about for this episode. Uh, the one I brought, uh, I feel like, A, it's a good one, but B, it also, uh, uh, it's a good example of uh, one of the kinds of SCPs you'll see are um, ones that are, for all intents and purposes, normal humans, except they have some specific anomalous ability, uh, and the SCP Foundation finds containment for them just on that basis alone. So the one I brought to the table here is SCP-105. Do you want me to go ahead and jump in? Mm-hmm. Okay. Object class safe. Special containment procedures. SCP-105 is implanted with a tracking device and is currently housed at Site-17. SCP-105 is currently allowed Class 3 restricted socialization privileges with approved site personnel, granted based on continued good behavior and cooperation with the Foundation. Or, cooperation with Foundation personnel. (laughs) SCP-105's personal camera, designated SCP-105-B, is contained in a locked safe deposit box at Site-19's high-value item storage facility. Standard positive action defenses, explosive, chemical, biological, and mimetic, are to be in place at all times, while SCP-105-B is within containment. SCP-105 and SCP-105-B, or any other camera, are only to be allowed to come into contact with approval of the current managing researcher. Um, so, so what I love about this is... How the containment procedures are used to, like, kind of build atmosphere. Yeah. You know, I oftentimes get, whenever I try and talk about SCPs with people, they complain, like, oh, I hate that that comes first. I just want to get to the thing. But it really builds a picture of, like, okay, well, obviously this is a person who isn't dangerous and doesn't really pose a threat as long as they don't come in contact with the camera or whatever. But yet they're still ready to blow her up with explosives at a fucking moment's notice that's well, insane the the camera is um yeah. it, it's it's behind all those defenses uh so like the woman as we'll see is like she's you know um perfectly fine she's allowed to socialize uh but then the camera is like let's put this behind a bunch of explosives let's make sure she doesn't come into contact with any cameras at all and so that kind of um, it's like you said, it sets the mood. I, I think it adds to the suspense, too. Yeah, exactly. It adds, adds to the injury. You're like, okay, what the fuck could be the deal with yeah, this it, thing? It raises questions yeah. in your mind. So I'll, I'll go ahead and jump into the description. SCP-105, formerly known as Iris Thompson, is a female human of European descent. 
Records indicate that SCP-105 was born in Redacted, making her Redacted years old at the time of acquisition. She has blonde hair and blue eyes, and at the time of this article is 1.54 meters in height, 50 kilograms in weight. She does not appear to have any out-of-the-ordinary physical characteristics and appears to be, for all intents and purposes, a normal human being in good health. SCP-105-B is a Polaroid one-step express camera manufactured in 1982. SCP-105-B does not appear to have any out-of-the-ordinary physical characteristics and appears to be, for all intents and purposes, a normal Polaroid camera, operating normally for all persons aside from SCP-105. When SCP-105 holds a photograph taken by SCP-105-B, the photograph changes from a still image to that of a real-time image of the location in question. SCP-105 is also able to reach through the photograph and manipulate objects within reach of the original point at which the photograph was taken. Persons witnessing this manipulation report seeing a disembodied female hand, determined to be that of SCP-105, reaching out from an invisible portal and carrying out the actions indicated. SCP-105-B and the photographs taken by said camera have no unusual properties when used by another person. SCP-105 has demonstrated limited ability to manipulate objects through other photographs, but can only achieve fine control using photographs taken through SCP-105-B. So far, SCP-105 has only been able to significantly advance her ability by using photographs taken by SCP-105-B. It's it's interesting, that last sentence sort of implies kind of the following information, which is that they've been testing this, right? That's another yeah. frequent feature of SCP articles, is that they'll test these anomalies. Yeah, so you always have the implication of, like, what it takes to come to that conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. And the way that it's really clinical in this language always, like, kind of obfuscates that. Mm-hmm. Kind of, like, forces you to actually peek beyond the objective to try and see, like, the real story. Yeah, I, you know, I enjoy these ones where it's just like a, a normal person because it kind of like the, the, the way that the foundation treats them and individual personnel versus the administration at large, it, it kind of like poses ethical questions that are fun to sort of think about, you know, yeah. at least for me. And there is there is like an ethics committee in the foundation and they're always able to, like, justify things in terms of, like, all right, it's not that we are not going to uh, disallow cruelty. It's that we are only allowing the uh, scientifically predetermined amount of cruelty necessary to make the ends justify the means. The ethics committee, like, that's the other thing about, like, the fact that the scope of this sort of collaborative project is that it's they're pretty loose with the canon surrounding ethics and surrounding the administration at large it could be a foundation with a lot of resources it could be barely holding itself together the ethics committee could actually have strong ethics or they could be just a fucking a bunch of fucking psychopaths like plus like it changes as uh people come and go it's yeah. really it's really interesting it depends on the article like there's no hard and fast canon Mm-hmm. These these structures of like loose ideas of what these things kind of fundamentally mean linger, but there's no like canon to it, which makes the fact that everything is written in an objective tone very fascinating. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times it it fails to actually actually talk about and describe these things properly. Yeah, and okay. you have to leave room in the imagination. You yeah. tell the story so, through subtext. Yeah, exactly. I thought I was just saying like a bunch of long-winded bullshit to basically get to that. <laughs> Sorry. All right. So uh, jumping into Appendix 1, Circumstances of Acquisition. SCP-105 was brought to the Foundation's attention shortly after the murder of her boyfriend. SCP-105 claimed to have been on the phone with the victim at the time of his murder, prompting her to hurry to his side. However, telephone records did not correspond to her story, making her suspect in murder. Mm-hmm. SCP-105 informed her lawyer that she had in fact witnessed the murder through a photograph she had taken with her boyfriend several days prior. The attorney in question disregarded the story and recommended that the subject plead guilty. The subject refused to do so and subsequently told her story in court, offering to demonstrate her ability. This led to Foundation contact. Subject was immediately contained by the Foundation. Foundation personnel retrieved SCP-105-B from SCP-105's home. 
replacing it with an identical model, and returned it to her. SCP-105's parents were informed that she was killed during the botched escape of another patient while both were in custody of the redacted psychiatric care facility. Damn, that's fucked, huh? Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, again, like, I can't help but put myself in Iris's shoes and be just like, that's traumatizing. <laughs> oh, shit. I forgot the most interesting twist of this is that this is, uh, I forgot that Iris is part of the SCP Avengers team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's the Scarlet Witch of the SCP Avengers. Oh my god. Uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, I was going to say. There, we're going to come across some stuff that is going to require some, some context. So Appendix 2 is an excerpt from an interview log. Do you want to, like, switch off? or Can I be the doctor? Sure. Joe, do you want to be 105? Okay. All right. Please give a brief personal introduction, including date and place of birth, and your name. Okay. My name is Iris Thompson. I was born in Phoenix, Arizona on May 12th. Redacted. Unfortunate. <laughs> Good. First question. When did you become aware of your abilities? I'm not sure, but I think I was either 10 or 11. I remember because I was looking at a picture of the ocean and I noticed that the waves began moving. How did your parents respond when you told them? They just said that I had an overactive imagination. When did you discover that you were able to manipulate objects through a photograph? Uh, first happened when I was 11, 12, maybe. My family took a trip to the Grand Canyon. I looked through the photo album after we got home and brushed my hand up against one by accident. When I did, I pushed a rock over the edge, falling into the canyon, and I could actually hear it clatter on the way down. Go on. I became fascinated with photography after that. Most of the time, it didn't work with photographs I took, but my parents got me a Polaroid One-Step Express camera. I've been making them for one uh, to get it since Christmas. SCP-105 starts smiling. After I got the camera, the photos got easier to interact with. This is the camera we prefer to as 105B. Your personal camera. Yes, sir. How many photos can you focus on at one time? I've gotten up to ten at once with my personal camera. Uh, I'm sure I could do more eventually. What is your impression of your time with the Foundation so far? SCP-105 remains silent. Please, do answer. We don't take offense to these things. Sort of like new prison, new warden, but I know it's better than what could have happened to me. You've been very cooperative during your time here. I'm a pretty well-behaved sort of person. I also like doing the experiments. Some of those things with photographs I would never would have thought of. Do you know why I'm asking you these questions, Iris? No, sir. We've been setting up a special program. If it goes through, you'll be occasionally allowed to leave the site and move about in the outside world. All we ask of you in return are a few favors. Are you interested? Man, she really signed a deal with the devil on that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, technically a deal with uh, Abel. Uh, yeah, I think that would probably be the one thing worse than like just being imprisoned would be like forced to... Oh, wait. Yeah. No, I, I forgot that, um, that Team Abel was a different thing. Um, it just references them. Okay. That's, a, that's another thing the Foundation does, too, is that they'll, like, utilize uh, anomalous objects and individuals to, to do uh, other experiments and, like, do objectives and stuff. Which is really funny, because, like, there's the, the Global Occult Initiative or whatever, the other, like, nefarious organizations out there who more or less do the same thing, mm -hmm. and just with, like, a different set of principles and goals, and they're, like, Ooh, they're bad because they do that. <laughs> Look at those fuckers over there. I think I spent like two hours reading chat logs for Gamers Against Weed. <laughs> Gamers Against Weed is the best. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> Gamers Against Weed, they're just a bunch they they're a bunch of memers who create like shit post anomalies. Oh I love that. Yeah. <laughs> but some of them are also like heart wrenchingly fucking tragic. Yeah, some of them are pretty good. Yeah, I won't uh, anyway. Addendum 3, History of Service with Mobile Task Force Omega-7. 
SCP-105 was the second humanoid SCP recruited to Mobile Task Force Omega-7 under the Pandora's Box initiative. Unlike Team Abel, associated with SCP-0762, which was assigned to strike and capture operations, Team Iris, in quotes, had the primary mission of reconnaissance and intelligence gathering. Team Iris carried out over 20 missions in cooperation with the Bow Commission. These missions were carried out swiftly and without incident. Team Abel, referencing uh, 0762. 0762 is a guy who uh, has, like, fucking hork blades coming out of his body, mm-hmm. and he just endlessly respawns out of a cube, and he just loves to murder. And they're <laughs> like, hey, what if you did, you did some stuff for us? And he's like, all right, do I get to murder stuff? And they're like, yeah, there's no way this could possibly backfire. <laughs> and then it possibly backfired. <laughs> yeah, what could go wrong? <laughs> yeah. And then he did a bunch of murders. Yep. Almost as if letting a murderer out in the world is <laughs> kind of asking That's for it. But the, yeah, the Team Able uh, 0762 uh, rabbit hole is a fun one to go down. I encourage our listeners to do it. I'm actually going to open that in a new tab. Uh, <laughs> so, the first disciplinary incident involving SCP-105 involved the escalation of Team Iris missions from reconnaissance to wet work. <laughs> I love that term. Uh, SCP-105 violently opposed the use of her abilities to carry out assassinations, even after members of the Bow Commission repeatedly attempted to secure her cooperation. See interview log 105216543. I love the term wet work. That's great. (laughs) It's like when mafiosos say painting houses. (laughs) It's great. Um, During these events, SCP-105 became emotionally distressed and attempted to deceive Foundation personnel into believing that her anomalous traits had disappeared. Dr. Redacted, um, who we'll be calling Dr. D, submitted a report recommending that SCP-105 be reclassified as neutralized, undergo amnestic treatment, and be released to the public with regular monitoring. This recommendation was denied. Following this, Dr. D aided SCP-105 in a containment breach, aiming to escape Foundation custody. This breach was unsuccessful, and SCP-105 was recontained. Uh, see Incident X-45 Site-17. By the way, I read that, like, earlier yeah. this morning. Uh, it's fucking haunting. <laughs> I gotta read that. Yeah, it's, um... There, there's gore. That's I, I don't want to spoil it, but, like, it's... And it's written, I think, mostly from her perspective, which makes it a lot more visceral. It's not, like, a SCP article. It's a short story. Yeah. Um... And, uh, yeah, I skimmed it, but I want to read it in a little more detail later on. Uh, Investigation afterwards determined that Dr. D had intentionally encouraged SCP-105 to claim loss of anomalous abilities. SCP-105 re-demonstrated her anomalous abilities in exchange for restoration of limited privileges. So that one's interesting. I, I, I enjoy that because it shows a very clear conflict of interest with a particular person in the Foundation. Uh, it kind of humanizes the organi- organization in a way that I really enjoy because a lot of like really hard sci-fi with um, you know foundations like this they're sort of unfeeling robots yeah and I like the idea that there's particular people in the organization who know that certain things are wrong and will kind of act on their own accord. The more you read uh, the various articles, you'll see that like. For lack of a better term, uh, the Foundation weaponizes neurodivergence oftentimes. They'll, like, psychologically profile people and, like, use people as they are to carry out their means. Mm. Uh, So there is that level of, like, robotic, machine-like operation to the way that the Foundation is in and of itself kind of this thing that operates of its own accord despite what the individuals within it i think i think what i was trying to say is i don't like sci-fi mostly because of all the tropes and this one breaks my least favorite trope and i really enjoy that about it yeah i'm just saying like it's they they evolve through that trope though yeah yeah but they they play around with what it would actually be like to try and live within and work within the, that found the, the, the entity of the foundation itself kind of has to operate independent of what a person would might like operate on their own moral accords would be, but they still have to use people who have 
those perspectives for their their own end. So it is comprised of people like that. So there's this conflict. Yeah, that's um, pretty much exactly yeah. what I was trying yeah. to say. <laughs> All right. Did you have anything to say, Joe? Oh, about this one? No, I've just been very like into this conversation, actually. You've just <laughs> been vibing? Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I've got plenty to talk about with mine, so... All right. Like, okay. Yeah. Uh, we've pretty much gone over everything. There's a last sort of addendum that references both the, um, the the incident we talked about and then Mobile Task Force Alpha 9, which seems like a larger project, which, when I skimmed it, is unfinished. Yeah. Um, it's currently on hiatus, but... You know, that that's essentially, that's kind of all the story. We pretty much read it. So if we yeah. want to take a quick break. Yeah, we'll take a quick break. I will say, like, re- the idea of reaching into a photograph and being able to, like, manipulate reality through it yeah. is very cool. God, very imagine imagine what a pants-shitting moment it would be to just see a hand come out of nowhere. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I, I, it is interesting how she's consistently ca- uh, characterized as a pacifist. Yeah, yeah. Like from the very beginning, yeah. she is unre- she is unrelated to her her boyfriend's murder. She used her ability to like mm-hmm. basically go like, "Oh shit, I know this is going to happen," and was there because of her power, unrelated to the murder. Yeah, no, it's very good. I like uh, I like one hundred five. Iris is a good girl, and she deserves freedom. She does. Yeah. Hashtag free Iris. <laughs> All right, All we'll right, be right back. Now. And we're back. Oh. And we are back to talk about uh, one which um, Joe has provided for us, which I'm excited to hear more about. Yeah, so uh, my favorite kinds of SCPs are the super like sci-fi ones. I like the ones that kind of get a little bit more like more paranormal too, but like my fa- some of my favorite ones are like the ones about like diseases and viruses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So today I pulled up SCP-742. And it is a virus that is actually has like a low infectivity rate. Um, it has to be like injected into you, which I think gives a lot of subtext that like it's art- like an artificial virus or yeah. something like that. So there's like multiple ways like, to interpret it. Yeah, which I think is really cool because um, it seems like it's something that you have to like intentionally infect someone with like it's not something that like spreads like a yeah, yeah. typical okay, virus does i feel like it's probably gonna hit different post covid too mm-hmm. in my i don't know i'm excited viruses freak me the fuck out so i'm excited <laughs> to hear more about this <laughs> they should not be i'm sorry just they shouldn't yeah so viruses should not but they're really fascinating because like they kind of they are, there's a lot of debate on like whether or not they're actually like organisms that are yeah. alive or not because it's literally just they're just like programs they're like nature's programs like they just run a program in your cells yeah. like and that's how they, they just execute code essentially yeah it's super super cool so it is a virus that affects the nervous system, um, causing you to consume large quantities of protein-rich food and then seek dark, secluded area, often a cave, abandoned building, etc. So it kind of turns you into like a little grimy cave goblin. Turns you into a neat, mm-hmm. <laughs> an average four chan poster. Literally turns you into a chud. <laughs> you know what? Fuck you. Injects um, you with the chud retrovirus. <laughs> with the chud virus. <laughs> uh, so during this period, when you're first getting infected, um, it also completely reverse transcribes itself into the subject's DNA and deactivates its viral properties. So it's it's like, gets in your, like, mutates you, which mm-hmm. is super cool. Because that is something that viruses kind of do. Mm-hmm. Like, once they affect you, you're, like, never the same, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so, the victim, like, they use the food energy they ingest during the first phase um, to, like, create, like, new organs in your body and, like, alter the nervous system. So, it, like, effectively turns you into another creature. Oh, that's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah why, don't you, uh, why don't you start reading the, uh, the descri- uh, yeah, procedures and stuff? Yeah, I'll read the, the, read the article. 
Uh, oh, do you want me to just read yeah, it? We'll, we'll okay. just read the thing, yeah. Okay. Read the thing, Dean. Sure. Uh, yeah. So, instances of the SCP-742-1 are kept in a separate solitary confinement cells in the maximum security wing of site redacted and are fed redacted kilograms of freshly harvested human bone marrow. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> obtained redacted in addition to standard humanoid-grade rations. So, you, you you just know that some D classes are des- are just like designated SCP seven four one two food. Yeah, they're <laughs> like, well, we just finished a month of grueling testing with that Greek mask that melts your face. Uh, hey, what's that big needle for? <laughs> I, I'm just I'm picturing like a. Some kind of 4chan redditor or whatever, just like huddled in a corner and like slurping bone marrow out of a femur or something. <laughs> like Saturday <laughs> Uh So samples of the SCP-742 virus itself are kept in a secure vault at Site-19. Um, personnel are to know when infected individuals are extremely dangerous. SCP-742 itself is not uh, has an exceedingly low infectivity rate except when injected directly into the bloodstream it is not considered a biohazard uh, mobile task force redacted has been created to respond to uncontained outbreaks of scp-742 and are currently in the field in redacted <laughs> oh that's fucked there's that implication that there's a problem of of containment breach all the time in yeah <laughs> Probably. So the, so the source is as of yet unidentified. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel what? like that's something that could easily spread, like not just intentionally, but also like um, among drug users who use needles. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like a it spreads kind of like HIV or yeah. Like does yeah. It's, um, okay. So it is a retrovirus, approximately redacted, times more complex than any known naturally occurring virus. SCP-742 infects all cell types, but initially only enters the lytic cycle in helper T cells, leading to a state of immunocompromise that allows SCP-742 to affect every one of the infected subject cells. So that's literally like AIDS, huh? Yeah, and it's it's also, yeah, like a a mutating, like a mutagen. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, infective cells secrete hormones that include ap- uh, increase appetite as well as a signal compound once full injection or full infection of achieved concentration of the signal compound reaches a target level, the infection enters stage two. Yeah, it affects the nervous system, causing the infected subject to ravenously consume large quantities of protein rich food and then seek a dark, secluded area, often a cave, abandoned building, or a crypt. At this point, the subject enters a state of hibernation, slowing the metabolism to a point of apparent death. During this period, the SCP-742 retrovirus completely reverse transcribes itself into the infected subject's DNA and deactivates its viral properties. Following this event, uh, the subject is designated SCP-742-1. Uh, newly created instances of SCP-742-1 use the food energy inge- ingested during the viral phase to alter their physiology, resulting in an organism superficially similar to a human being, but with a second elementary tract linked data expunged, <laughs> roof of the mouth, several new organs of inter- indeterminate function, so you got all these new organs that you don't know what the hell they're supposed to do. <laughs> that sounds terrifying. And a subtly altered nervous system. Once fully transformed, instances of SCP-742-1 continue to function as if they were normal human beings and are virtually indistinguishable without medical examination. However, SCP-742 infection destabilizes the genome during reverse transcription, leading to symptoms consistent with uh, telomerase dysfunction with an appropriate month. What's telomerase dysfunction? Do you know what that is? Telomerase dysfunction is, um, it has something to do with like your cellular cellular proliferation. It's like the way that your cells divide and stuff. Oh, um, oh, so, so it's so it's like a, a virus that turns you into a ghoul specifically to incentivize the mm-hmm. victim to go and murder 
people and suck out their bar- bone marrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's fucking. That's metal. Yeah, yeah. It's like a zombie. It like kills you, restructures your DNA, makes you grow all these new organs, and then makes you want to eat like stem cells, basically. Right. So, because uh, it causes your body to like have a problem with like multiplying and dividing your cells. Interesting. And somebody thought up all of this, like as <laughs> as a you normal know, guy. Yeah. And I love that because I think I feel like it does like comprise a lot of different um, like ideas and concepts in like zombie stories, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think it's, like the, the whole genre the is place... kind of like comprised into this one thing. It's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, keep. keep re- uh, what were you gonna say, Dad? I was gonna say the the place where that hits strongest is with the next line. Um, so SCP seven four two dash one can prevent this by ingesting human stem cells. In the wild, uh, SCP-742-1 are nocturnal hunters, preying on isolated humans. The victim is first paralyzed by a venomous bite, then drained of bone marrow via redacted. (laughs) Uh, Occasionally, some of the victim's flesh will also be cannibalized for sustenance. Instances of SCP-742-1 do not age normally, and if kept supplied with stem cells, are biologically immortal. Uh, instances of oh, S- so it's more it's more like a like a vampire kind of because yeah. you're you're retreating into a dark cave. You're, that's true. Yeah, that that was my thought. I was thinking yeah. like a vampire, vampire or the Phantom of the Opera or, or something. Yeah, <laughs> or the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> it's a vampirist. The Phantom of the Opera is here, sucking bone marrow. Have you read well, the vampires book? Vampires and zombies are very similar, I guess. They're both undead. Yeah. Vampires actually have like agency over their actions. <laughs> like, yeah, that, that's where the major divergence comes. Whereas yeah. zombies are kind of like the shambling undead that became like a kind mm-hmm. of biological phenomena as like science if kind of evolved. You go back far enough in the history of vampire folklore, though. Zombies and vampires are essentially the same thing. Yeah, yeah. there's like a divergence <laughs> at a certain point, and this is yeah. kind of like. OG. Yeah, and this is a very, like, scientific way of, like, approaching it, too, which I really appreciate, yeah. because yeah. it shows that a lot of thought and, like, research went into creating this article. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah whoever just, did this just went, like, full autism. It's great. It's so yeah. cool. Like, no, <laughs> I, love it. I love it. I don't care what Robert Downey Jr. says. You should go full autism. <laughs> what the fuck? Remember that line in Tropic Thunder where he's like, never go full autism? I never watched that film. Oh, well, he doesn't say autism. He says, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he says a different word that sucks. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, instances of SCP-742-1 specifically target younger victims because of the higher volumes of stem cells that can be obtained. They eat babies. Um, cool. Yeah, they eat babies. <laughs> Children who still have baby teeth will be found with their teeth missing. In addition, data expunged. <laughs> Wow. Probably for the best. Yeah. <laughs> uh, instances of SCP-742-1 will also target pregnant mothers in order to ensure an infectious state. Wow. Um, normally, SCP-742-1 uses pluripotent stem cells from bone marrow to regenerate itself and is incapable of spreading the SCP-742 infection. However, after ingesting at least redacted grams of totipotent stem cells, uh, typically from a human fetus, although the source is irrelevant. SCP-742-1 secretes a small amount of fluid filled with the SCP-742 retrovirus from the redacted glands. Uh, probably one of those new organs that you're supposed to grow. So it's a, yeah, it's occurring to me now the reason for bone marrow specifically is because that's where like a lot of cells are generated. Is in yeah, stem cells. Right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and uh, this fluid injected, data expunged, major artery of a human victim is the primary transmission vector of the SCP-742 infection. Instances of SCP-742-1 behave subserviently, subserviently, subserviently <laughs> towards the instance of the of that infected them. Yeah, uh, there we go. Vamp- yeah. Vampire. Yeah, it's a familiar. Okay. Yeah. 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 I love that. That's cool as fuck. I always love the scientific vampire. Me too. Yeah. Like, um, what is the one vampire series that's, like, based off a comic? Um, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't. I actually... It was based off a graphic novel. 
Is it 50 Days a Night? Uh, yeah, I think 30, it's 30, 30, 30 Days a Night. night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. one of my those all-time like, favorites. Those are like... I actually disease vampire. I, I have a copy of the the graphic novel signed by Ben Templesmith, the artist. Oh, that's so cool! Yeah, you yeah, were, he you, was the coolest. You were uh, super autistic about Thirty Days of Night. In, I was uh, high school for a while. I, yeah. I was <laughs> yeah. too. I had it at one point because um, I'm going to be honest. Like as as somebody who's a goth. It's very ironic that, like, I'm not really that into vampires. Like, I think they're cool and whatever. I've just never been, like, super into, like, the vampire culture and, like, yeah. all the books and I'm the Anne Rice and what. And, yeah, I'm picky about them. Like, it's, <laughs> but I do like the more kind of, like, sci fi angle to it. I, I think it is cooler. Like, I like Underworld, too, for the yeah. same reason, there's even though really, it's a little cheesier. But. There's a really good 30 Days of Night spinoff about um, one of those vampires getting into a space station. Uh, it's kind of like Alien a little bit. Uh, oh, cool! Yeah, it, it space will. Space would be the hardest place for a vampire to be. I'm just saying because, like, the <laughs> this, sun is everywhere. <laughs> this this particular rendition of it, though, I, I I won't get into it. I won't spoil it, but it's it's very good. Um, yeah, vampires. If you go, so vampires as we know them now are based on um, kind of Slavic Eastern European folklore <laughs> that sort of traveled across Europe. And that's what was eventually adapted into Dracula, which is kind of what made vampires mainstream. But the original vampires were, for all intents and purposes, zombies. They were reanimated corpses that would steal people's blood in order to maintain their own life. Uh, and they would, you know, come out of the kind of shallow graves people would dig. And a lot of the phenomena associated with vampires, um, drinking blood, uh, even, even the fact that they're, like, considered sort of sexual, considered kind of horny, come from distinct phenomena that would happen with dead bodies where like they'd come out of shallow graves it looked like they'd been reanimated they're all bloated mm-hmm. so the male vampires uh, have a big dip. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah they'd have a boner you know the the fact that they were like rotting corpses that rigor like mortis that. yeah exactly that rigor be mortis <laughs> it was also um when there were outbreaks of disease that was attributed to vampires kind of spreading it to other people so um, there, there was a while even when uh, werewolves and vampires were the same animal as well. It's just, you know, folklore so, evolves. So it makes a lot of sense that the scientific vampire would still have that angle of, like, analyzing it like a disease. Yeah, Because yeah. Uh, the supernatural element came from there, from that naturally occurring thing. Yeah, and I really like the, you know, calling back to the idea of it maybe being, like, an artificial thing and, like, someone's creation of, like, a way to become immortal or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that kind so of some kind of some kind of scientific experiment with immortality that went wrong or something mm-hmm. like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, By not having a source, it's just like, what the fuck is this? That's fucked up. Maybe trying to, <laughs> like, use... Up? Yeah, like, trying to use a virus, like, in a positive way. Or... To, like, on the yeah. other hand, it could be that it is really, really, really ancient, and therefore that's why it's so complex, because it's had a lot of time to evolve. Like, the amb- that's kind of where I was coming from in my interpretation. That might have been cool, too. Like, maybe something just, that was, like, in a permafrost or something yeah. like that. And it's just, it's never explained. Yeah. And that, that leads the to... The origins yeah. of it are unknown, which I think is really interesting and yeah. cool. Yeah, because it could go pretty far back, you yeah. know, if the origins are unknown. It could be just an ancient thing. Yeah. Uh, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah, yeah that was cool. fun. <laughs> I like that um, one a lot. So I have one that's uh, a little sillier. A silly one? This one's have... a kind of silly one. Uh, <laughs> this uh, A little bit of context. So in... The SCP lore, there are different groups and agencies and stuff. But my one of my favorites is the Dr. Wondertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Dr. Wondertainment creates anomalous toys for children under that brand. Isn't that, isn't that what Mr. McGoram's Wonder Emporium was about? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, like, this is a fucked up version. <laughs> yeah. No, but some of them are really silly, and some of them... There's, like, a a series of sapient guys that are the Mr. series, and they're, like, all defined by their one personality trait, and that's what their anomalous thing is. But then sometimes they're just, like, toys. Mm -hmm. And uh, this one is uh, Dr. Wondertainment's Ontological Nine Ball. (laughs) Sorry, Ontological Six Ball. Okay, where can I find that? I kind of want to pull it up. SCP-609. 
Yeah, Dr. Wondertainment is, like, one of the fucking funniest. Because this one is a Keter. <laughs> uh, re- remind me what Keter class is again? Keter class is the most dangerous class. This is okay. this is fucked up, uncontainable, and very, very dangerous. Yeah. This is what is reserved for, like, like, the last one was Keter. It translates into crown in Hebrew, which I think it's just metal as fuck. Yeah, yeah I mix up the classes a lot. Um, okay, so it's safe, which is, like, you can lock it in a box right yeah you have euclid which is like all right it's hard to lock it in a box but as long as you do that it is containable but it can take uh if it breaks out it can do serious damage cutter is holy fucking shit this is really really dangerous and there's a lot of esoteric ways that that could be interpreted for this one you'll see why okay Okay. so this one starts out with a crossed out containment procedures (laughs) the crossed out containment procedures are SCP-609 is to be stored in an individual opaque containers inside a locker at Research Facility 5. That's no go anymore. That used to be the case, but something happened, and now it's this. Yeah. All personnel must conduct Protocol 95 Wegner Gyatso before observing any number of SCP-609-1 to ensure a clear and focused mind. Agents who locate SCP-609-1 are immediately break are to immediately break visual contact until the object is contained. Update. Date redacted. SCP-609 has been transferred. It is now to be contained in opaque lock bins at storage site 32. (laughs) Because control of SCP-609-1 is highly difficult due to ironic process theory, only trained researchers with level 2 clearance and above are permitted to view it for experimental purposes. What's uh, ironic process theory? Uh, you'll see when we get to the description. Okay. SCP-609-A is to be secured in Storage Locker 11 at Research Facility 5. Viewing the text of SCP-609-A in whole or in part requires permission from the head researcher. (laughs) Description. SCP-609 is a collection of identical green billiard balls in the American pool style, which measure 57.155 millimeters in diameter and are believed to exist only as immaterial manifestations of a concept. <laughs> Instances of 609, uh, designated 6091, are unbound by physical laws. Each instance is impervious to damage, undetectable except by the naked eye, and unable to conduct heat. Instead, they always feel cold to the touch. SCP-6091 can be manipulated by thought. When a sapient creature is in direct visual contact with SCP-6091, It will emulate the actions the user imagines, including motion, duplication, and instantaneous manifestation at a visualized location. Observers cannot alter the physical appearance of SCP-609 or erase it from existence. Interesting. Yeah, so basically it's like, you know how in, when you were a kid, you would go on road trips and in your mind's eye, as the, like, things were, you'd imagine like a little thing going like, doodly 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 doo. No, I don't did you ever know what do you're that? talking about. What are you talking okay, about? So, like, were you... Did you ever, when you were on a road trip... Okay. You're, like, as a kid, you're okay. looking out the window, and you're just seeing all the telephone poles fly past. Uh-huh. Like, imagine a little guy, like, kind of run, like running up and down, or, like, a ball... Running along the lines, you mean? Running along the lines, yeah. No, I didn't no. do that. No, you didn't? <laughs> no. Okay, well... Then... Hopefully there's a listener or two that can relate to this. I thought that this was a common neurodivergent thing. Also, I looked it up. Ironic process theory or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's a real thing. Oh, it's actually. a real thing? Yeah, it is a real thing, actually. So, oh, well, I'm dumb as shit. It is a psychological concept asserting that conscious attempts to suppress thoughts make them more likely to surface. So the more oh, you okay. think about the something, think about the more... They're even trying not to think about something. The more you think about it, like it's basically, it, oh, basically. Yeah. So the containment procedures are trying to get you to like go. Oh shit! I can't look at and think about this thing because if I do, then I'm gonna imagine this indestructible, imperceptible, uncontainable ball just kind of like zooping through the room, yeah, more or less. See, because I was thinking like you use this to cheat at pool, but you can no, do more. That, okay, yeah, yeah, that's I'm, what it's supposed. That's what it's supposed to do, but a child's, like, attention span and, like, wants and desire... Okay. Okay. <laughs> According to the object's documentation, SCP-609 is intended to be a li- literalistic embodiment of Plato's theory of form. 
Researchers have conjectured that 609 can be controlled through visualization because 6091 and the concept of 6091 are the same object, and that SCP-6091 cannot be damaged or otherwise mutilated because 6091 is a manifestation of an immutable metaphysical form. Basically, it's real, but it's not real. So it can affect the real world, but it is immaterial, and there's nothing you can do about it. And also, you can manipulate it with your fucking mind. Um, that could cause a lot of damage. If multiple observers attempt to activate 6091 simultaneously, an additional instance of SCP-6091 will manifest for each observer. As a result of its thought-activated replication, SCP-609 has proliferated under Foundation custody. Yeah. See 609A for current estimates. <laughs> so because of the nature of this thing, people just keep accidentally making more of it. Yeah. So that's why it's incredibly dangerous. Yeah, yeah. When SCP-6091 is relocated to or generated in an area outside of the viewer's visual range, a recovery mission is required to resume full containment of 609. Locations from which 6091 have been recovered include the Research Facility 5 kitchen, the Research Facility 5 second floor bathroom, the apartment of researcher blanks on top, on top of a television, a warehouse in Pasadena where SCP blank had recently been relocated, the set of television series Redacted breach occurred during a taping. All footage of the event was confiscated and amnestics were administered to all witnesses. The frontal lobe of assistant researcher blank, uh, the mammary tissue of researcher blank, Earth's moon, currently unrecoverable. Wow, interesting. This thing is so cool. Oh my god. Six so I, I, yeah. I'm wondering, like, the third one is making me wonder, like, did someone just imagine it someone as their brain? Like... Or did someone imagine it, like, firing at the person's head at bullet speed and just <laughs> crashing See, into yeah, their skull? Yeah, just like, in the moon, too, it's like, did you imagine it going, pachoo? Yeah. <laughs> or did someone just go like, I wonder if this, because it, it, it is capable of instant transmission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's either or. Wait, but is it okay? So is it? It's one billiard ball or it's several? It's several. Yes, I think. yes. Okay. Because because if two people look at it and try and manipulate it oh. at the same time, it'll make another one. Oh for yeah, right, right, right. So it, it it is potentially if infinitely replicating. Holy that's crap! Why, yeah, exactly. It's so cool. That's why yeah. it's Ketter class. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Six nine was recovered with a yellow box believed to be its packaging. The box is labeled Doctor Wondertainment's Ontological Six Ball. In large text, although the typography dis- differs in comparison to other products recovered from the same manufacturer. Smaller graphics below the title depict the marble bust of Plato with the speech balloon that says, It really exists! <laughs> and an unidentified grinning woman claiming, Now subject to causality! <laughs> a green pool ball is visible inside through a cellophane window. The following text is printed on the back. Dev, do you want to read this? Sure. Hey, kids, have you ever wondered whether your experiences are fully authentic? Or if only your thoughts are real and the world around you is a web of lies. Now, the question is, in bold, immaterial. With your new ontological six ball, you can use your imagination. Yeah, TM. TM. (laughs) Ontological six ball, trademark. You can use your imagination to make the hottest new learning toy that cannot not be. (laughs) It floats. Send it into the air with your thought power, TM. It flies. Did you think it could only float without moving? You should be sar- Sartre than that? Okay. Instead of smarter than that, Sartre. Uh, oh, Sartre. Oh, yeah. that's a philosopher. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it can go anywhere. Think real hard of any place fun times can be had. Ontological six ball TM is probably there already. <laughs> Not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it possesses the highest and most fundamental kind of reality in all bold. All other subjects which share its form are imperfect reflections of its ultimate truth. Oh my god. <laughs> did you create it? Or did it create you? Don't put Descartes before the horse. Oh my god. <laughs> if you don't think this is the grooviest toy out there, you must be joking. Caution. Some assembly required. Dr. Wondertainment assumes no liability for injuries, accidents, or existential nausea caused by physical or intellectual misuse of ontological six-ball TM. Intellectual misuse. Dr. Wondertainment does not endorse solipsism and any ominous implications TM that result from use of ontological six-ball TM are not views shared by Dr. Wondertainment. Ontological six-ball TM is not beholden to space-time. 
Ontological six ball TM cannot be forgotten or unlearned. Oof. <laughs> no copyright date, retail sticker, or other identifying information is present on the packaging. The package was not intended to contain 6091. The object seen through the cellophane window is a paper display insert designed to simulate a billiard ball. Instead, the object designated 609A is enclosed. SCP-609A is a cognitohazardous 62-page book with titled Dr. Wondertainment's Ontological Six-File Assembly Guide. The first page contains a disclaimer. Caution. Make sure to read all instructions and warnings before assembling or operating Ontological Six-Ball TM. Inadequate, modified, or otherwise improper assembly of Ontological Six-Ball TM may result in undesired functions. If Ontological Six-Ball TM begins to surround you to the exclusion of everything else, make you feel confused, lonely, and like the only thing you can ever be sure of is the Ontological Six-Ball TM, stop playing and take a break. (laughs) (laughs) By possessing Ontological Six-Ball or any included material, including knowledge of the existence of Ontological Six-Ball, you agree to accept all liability for consequences, accidental or metaphysically inherent, of Ontological Six-Ball, and also consent that Ontological Six-Ball will always be a fundamental part of who you are. Have fun! (laughs) I like the intellectual misuse. Don't be fucking stupid with it. The remaining pages contain comprehensive instructions on assembling SCP-6091 through careful, directed thought. Printed in six-point type with no illustrations, the booklet describes in exhaustive detail the appearance, construction, physical properties and behavior, cultural significance and symbolism, and other aspects of a pool ball made in America, CA the 1970s, as related by someone in a state of severe mental distress. (laughs) Test subjects who read 609A in its entirety have demonstrated the ability to demonstrate SCP-6091 through concentration. Although amnestic therapy is ineffective in reversing this Oh, that's the worst. It can erase knowledge of the ability from subjects' minds generally eliminating its use unless the subject is somehow informed or reminded of the ability, though, through, for example, viewing a pool table, a spherical object, the color green, or the number six. Oof. Yeah. (laughs) Amnestics can't get rid of it. Oof. (laughs) That's rough. Yeah, it will always be a part of you. (laughs) (laughs) Forever and ever and ever and ever. Dude, this thing is crazy. Yeah. Um, I would absolutely intellectually misuse this thing, unfortunately. I would, I would turn the moon into one of these. I probably <laughs> would, yeah. See, it's interesting because, like, my very first thought when reading this was, what if I just sent it at bullet speeds and made it, like, hit somebody and kill them? So, uh, I have intrusive thoughts that I need to work on. <laughs> um, I think it'd be funnier to just, like, smack him in the head just hard enough for it to go bolt. Yeah, my anxiety is too bad. I'd be like, what if I imagine this while I'm talking to someone, and then I would imagine it while I'm talking to them, and I would just probably kill everyone I know. Yeah, I mean, that's why it's so dangerous. (laughs) What if I made one that was, like, the size of uh, the sun or something? No, because it it, uh, has to be, like, that ontological, Platoistic ideal of... So then it can't be the moon either. It can't be the moon. Well, you could turn the moon into it. Yeah. Oh, but, but the size of right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, no, that. because that, it would just no. You couldn't just okay. I don't think that would work then. I think you could just make it go into the moon. Somebody else could look at it with me, and then we could make another one that was the size of the sun. No, no, because it would still have to be like the size of the the ideal of the. You could imagine if you can duplicate them, you could probably imagine enough of them. Yeah, to make. A, just like a giant cluster of them that's the exact same size as the sun. There you oh, go. so you can, yeah, you can, the, the, the gravitational mass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That would be really fucked up. At some up. point, Create that would implode in on of itself. These things yeah. That would just probably. I mean, it's not subject to space time. So. Oh, that's true. So what happens if you launch one into Jupiter? <laughs> I think it just stays there. Yeah, because it just it, zoops through, does whatever an object that it's, size it's, going through towards the middle would do. And it's then it impervious. It's impervious to a- any kind of like destruction, right? So it could go all the way into the center of Jupiter and just wreck its whole scene, uh, which I think is fascinating. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's six oh nine, and I think a good end cap for this episode. Alright, so we'd like to thank Aria for the use of our theme music. You can find a link to her card in the description below. Um, do you guys have any pluggables? Um, yeah, I 
finished a comic uh, about being trans and also obsessed with cartoons, but mostly that second thing. You can find that in my link tree down below. I also stream on Twitch. I've been playing Pokemon and been trying to learn RPG Maker and making a little shitpost game. What about you, Joe? You got any collectibles? Um, my Instagram page, I guess. Slightly dot floating on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, I have a YouTube channel as well, if y'all want to check it out. Yeah, link so. in the description. As, as far as pluggables go, a lot of my creative projects are on hold at the moment for complicated reasons, but now that it's been posted on their website, I no longer have to keep it a secret. I am a finalist in the Arizona Authors Association um, Literary Competition for 2023. Woo! Yeah, I... Yeah! Don't know how I placed just yet. I'm not going to know until November 4th, um, but it was in the fiction category, either first, second, third, or honorable mention. We'll see. Um, it's going to be published on their website, and they're going to be publishing print copies, too, if you want to purchase one. Uh, the story that I wrote is called Rebel Memories. It's about unlearning bias and kind of seeking redemption. So, yeah. I'll post a link to that when it eventually gets published on their site, but I, I just, I'm excited, wanted to announce that. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah. And we will see you on the next episode. And uh, until then, see you, Space Cowboy. Yeah. Yeah.